Hello, and welcome back to the Design Life Podcast. I am your host, Max Cohen. Today, we are diving into the world of video games, but not in the way you might think. No, today we are discussing how gaming, especially in a virtual reality setting, can be applied to treating post-traumatic stress disorder. We are joined by NC State College of Design Assistant Professor and Doctor of Design Student Practitioner, Justin Johnson. As a combat veteran and lifelong gamer, Justin has been researching how the natural environment can be transferred to virtual worlds and how those worlds can become therapeutic spaces. While natural settings have been a tool for psychological healing for some time, they're not always accessible to those who may need them. So what are the qualities that make a virtual environment a place of healing? And how do we bring those environments closer to home? These questions and more coming up on Design Life. Justin Johnson, thank you so much for, for joining us on the Design Life podcast. It's great to have you. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your, your background and interest in, in game design and uh, virtual reality. How did, how did that start? What were your interests there? Uh, I've, I've grown, I grew up as a gamer, so I've always been interested in, in games. And um, actually, at a pretty young age, I started designing games and levels for games, like modding games back in the uh, like mid to late 90s. I kind of figured out how to mod a couple of games just by tinkering around. Um, I was really into digital art and drawing and uh, making like little animations on some of the primitive uh, animation programs that were around back then. <laughs> um, so that, that's kind of where it started. But it wasn't until I was much older before I thought of it as like a career is more of just like a hobby and something fun to do. Um, so much later in life, I, I started thinking about it as more of a career. Um, I started hearing about and meeting people who are working in kind of uh, similar industries like animation and uh, 3D graphics. And I you know, thought, you know, oh, that sounds like something I'm really interested in. I like doing it as a hobby. I've done it since I was a kid. So I started started getting into it that way. Um, you know, at a pretty young age, like right after high school, I, I joined joined the military. And there I didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself after. Mm -hmm. um, I knew I wanted to go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to major in. Uh, I actually started out as a classics major, Greek and Latin. <laughs> Oddly enough, I have kind <laughs> of a affinity for language and learning languages. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how it started. And uh, I went to, to art school, started studying game design and digital art. And that's how I got kind of into the industry. I've worked at uh, a few different video game studios, huge well-known studios like uh, Red Storm and Ubisoft, uh, Icarus Studios, Fallen Earth, some studios like that as like a full-time in-house developer, artist, and uh, designer. Over the years after that, I started transitioning to full-time game developer, part-time teacher, to full-time teacher, part-time game dev. So I kind of did the switch there. Uh, and then, you know, that brought me to William Peace University where I helped build their program. So I was the first full-time hire in their simulation game design program. It's a really nice, small liberal arts college in downtown Raleigh. And um, yeah, I just kept, kept at it, wanted to learn more, wanted to become better, a better teacher, uh, wanted to become um, 
I just learned more about how to research and how to uh, advance my career in, in academia. And that led me to NC State in the Doctor of Design program. <laughs> so that's kind of where I am now. Uh, as far as VR, I started out with an interest in just general environment design, like designing digital environments and how players behave in those environments and how they affect the players. And um, I kind of had an interest in VR. So we did a little bit of VR work at William Peace University and and that game design program. And I just started tinkering with it. And I started making these environments, these kind of nature-based environments. I started looking at it in VR. And I started thinking like, wow, when you're in VR, it's much more immersive than just, you know, running around on a computer screen. And that kind of had me thinking like maybe I could research how people behave in virtual environments in VR instead of just normal gaming environments. What's the difference to you between a a game that's well done and a game that's not engaging or doesn't accomplish what it seems to set out to do? Yeah, I think it really depends on what kind of experiences you enjoy as a player. Uh, For me, I like games that feel good, feel meaning um, responsive to my input, like good haptics, good controls. Um, I like games that have uh, kind of immersive environments and, and worlds that feel like it, it's like a real place. So there's a history, there's life in the world. So for example, um, like maybe a fantasy game with, with like a, a landscape, you know, the trees move in the wind, there's birds, there's ambient audio. So the world feels alive and it kind of brings me in. I really like, like those kind of games, really large open world games with, with a, a backstory and a history. Um, so, so that's what does it for me. I think the user experiences is very important. So you want to have a game that's challenging, but not so easy that it gets bored. Um, I like games that reward players in a lot of different ways. So sometimes I feel competitive and I want to win. I want to uh, fight enemies and do things like that. Other times I just want to explore and uh, find hidden treasures or Easter eggs or just kind of admire the environment and the artistry involved. I think uh, a lot of games, some of the most talented digital artists, professional digital artists out there, I think our game developers, I think it's a, it's a very competitive industry and some of the, the art and visuals they put out are, are really stunning and I like to admire those. Let's, let's bring that into the research that you're doing in the Doctor of Design program. Do you feel like that appreciation for environment and history and development and exploration, is that appreciation what brought you into DDES, is that what sort of spawned your research? And and also, I'd like to know a little bit more about what your project is in the Doctor of Design program. Sure. The the Doctor of Design program initially, it was just a a way for me to um, advance my academic career. So like I said, I really enjoyed being a professor and teaching people how to make games. and I think being a professor is really cool because I get to learn. It's kind of part of half the job is just me learning. And I'm, I'm somebody who really loves to learn new stuff and improve. And it gives me a platform to do that. And I wanted to keep doing that and get better at it. So I started to look at, at a way to advance my career and, and find an opportunity. Uh, I've, I've always heard great things about the College of Design. Uh, and it's right down the road from, from me and Raleigh. So 
I looked into it and um, I really connected with uh, Dr. Ellen Deming, who's the program director. She's, she's my advisor and uh, she kind of sold me on it. And it was an opportunity for me to uh, become a really good researcher in something that I love, which is games. So it's kind of a way for me to, uh, you know, get better at my own practice and research my own field. And I thought that was really cool. It's, it's like kind of a, you know, I wouldn't say it's not a build your own program, but it's definitely like, I can definitely focus on what I want to and research, you know, the areas I like. As for my project itself, I really want to build these uh, immersive virtual environments and I want to, uh, kind of use it as a way to create a positive experience um, with some mental kind of restoration uh, experiences, maybe some cognitive restoration. There's a lot of research that, you know, obviously being in nature can be mentally restorative. Um, and there is a lot of research on sort of simulated nature. So looking at like uh, nature scenes and, and VR and scenes that are computer generated like uh, video games or high fidelity renders and environments like that. And those do have positive benefits. Uh, but I want to go a little bit deeper. And um, not, so not only have the environments, but also have the players participate. I think that's a, a big kind of a big gap in that kind of research. So here's a restorative environment that you can immerse in in VR, but you can also do things in the environment. So you can, I don't know what that would be. I'm you know, still working on the project, but maybe it's just exploration. Maybe it's puzzle solving. Maybe it's admiring the environment. Um, maybe you can go fishing in the game or skip rocks across the puddle. I don't, I don't know what, what that is. That's kind of part of the project is trying to answer those questions and develop a, an experience through user-centered design, uh, getting feedback and, and seeing like, you know, what, what kind of, uh, VR world can I build that people can play and they come out of it feeling more relaxed? Uh, I know that, you know, feeling more relaxed could potentially have benefits like uh, recovering from mental fatigue, stress reduction. So that's kind of, it's kind of what I'm thinking for the projects. Since you've been working on the project, have there been any new thoughts or findings or moments that you've experienced throughout the time that you've started this research? Yeah, so I've I've discovered that it that having a simulated environment actually can uh, have mental cognitive benefits, which was interesting to me because I hear a lot about how screen time and technology in general can um, cause mental fatigue or cause stress. So it was interesting to me to see a lot of studies on people using VR or people looking at, um, you know, really large screens of nature and these kind of nature simulated environments and having like, you know, better moods, stress reduction. Sometimes it's kind of anecdotal responses and surveys. Other times there's actually, you know, they'll do skin conductivity tests and they'll do, uh, you know, heart rate monitoring and blood pressure. And, you know, a lot of times it goes down. So that was interesting to me. So, um, you know, obviously I, I love the outdoors as well. So I wouldn't say that it's a substitute for the outdoors, but, you know, maybe it's a different kind of thing people could do in addition to, to outdoors. So that was one thing. Um, another thing was, um, I guess I, I, 
maybe not learn, but just kind of discovering that there's, I can't, it's hard to find experiences where, uh, like what kind of digital experiences do people have that can relax them? So I've had, I've noticed there's kind of a gap in that literature. Maybe there's not, I just haven't found it yet. I don't know that, sure. uh, you know, I was kind of hoping I could find games that people have made VR games or other kind of games where you can play and you can have that's designed in a way where it's, it's relaxing or stress reducing. And, you know, there's some apps that kind of, that kind of do it. There are a couple of apps out there, but uh, you know, there's not a lot. And that was surprising to me. I'd like to go into the relationship between you, the work that you're doing right now, and also your experience as a combat veteran in Iraq, do you feel like your experience in the military has played a, a significant role in, in your goals? Yeah, I, I think so. I'm always, I'm always looking for ways to um, kind of calm my mind, I guess. So uh, having intermittent episodes with, with PTSD sometimes can bring on anxiety and stress uh, and always looking for ways to, to reduce that. And, you know, I think this would be a cool way to do that. Um, you know, I'm trying to be careful and not, and not suggesting that it's a, you know, kind of like clinically proven like solution or piece of, you know, I guess medicine in quotes that somebody should, should use or that somebody should expect to recover from any kind of like episodes um, if that makes sense. So right. I don't want to make any bold claims, but you know, if, if, if it helps in any way, I think, I think it would be good. Even yeah. if it's just a little bit, even if, even if you want to put on the VR headset and then just kind of play through, through the game for a couple of minutes in between, you know, whatever you might be doing, that's the stressful. I think that could, that could be interesting. Um, so that, that's kind of, kind of where I'm coming from. You know, I don't have a background in, in psychology, or a medical background or anything. So I can't really speak to exactly how it could help or if it could be, you know, kind of proven to do so. But, you know, there, there is research that these kind of experiences can have reductions on, on stress and certain markers of stress can be improved. And just kind of starting there, maybe even if it doesn't come out as like a substantial treatment platform, it could at least start a conversation or somebody, somebody could take it and then maybe uh, move into more of like a rigorous, like clinical application, if that makes sense. Yeah. Have, have you seen or heard or had conversations with people and noticed any misconceptions about the healing process from PTSD? Um, I, you know, I haven't heard much from other people. I don't talk about it that often. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's one misconception is, you know, sometimes um, people don't always want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's probably not a good thing, but it's just kind of how it is. Uh, I know that it's, it's, it's very intermittent. If that, so sometimes, you know, I could go a long time and just be cool as a cucumber. Uh, other times I can get really worked up and, and stressed out about very minor things. Um, you know, just feeling the anxiety or, uh, like the hyper awareness. <laughs> I think a lot of times people, uh, you know, you hear, and obviously there are cases, there are a lot of cases where it's, it's very debilitating and people actually have a hard time functioning. Uh, 
Um, but then there's other people like myself who just have intermittent episodes where it's um, disruptive and it's annoying and hard to deal with, but it's not like debilitating if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think it just kind of comes out in a lot of different ways. Um, maybe, uh, I don't know, people might not know that it can manifest in a lot of different ways and at a lot of different degrees. Um, so I guess that'd be one thing, but you know, I don't, I haven't really talked about it that much with, with other people. Have you talked to a lot of people about what they find to be a positive experience? Um, I haven't got too much into actually talking to people and surveying. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I want, yeah, I want that to be part of the design process as I start to kind of work on building and designing this experience. Um, initially just getting feedback from people who research similar fields like landscape architecture or environmental psychology. Um, you know, I started out with a heavy focus on the nature based stuff. So like recreating realistic nature scenes Mm -hmm. with, uh, foliage and lighting and plants and trees and all that kind of stuff, ambient sounds. And, uh, you know, I, I had a little bit pushback on, you know, why don't people just go outside and just be outside for real and just go into, you know, go to a park or go for a walk in the woods. So that's, that's a little bit of critique I've gotten, you know, sometimes not everybody can do that. Mm-hmm. People might not have access to green spaces. People might um, be stuck inside. Like a lot of us are now. Um, maybe you just want to play for a couple of minutes and it's the middle of the night or it's raining and you just right. want to play a restorative game. It doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other. So that's one thing. Lately, though, I've been thinking about, um, you know, why does it have to be nature? Like if I design an environment that people can play in and experience and interact with, uh, the cool thing about doing it in, in a game engine is I can make anything. So it doesn't have to be real. It can be abstract. It could be color. It could be, you know, uh, audio visualizations. Um, you know, it could be, it could be whatever. So I've been thinking about that lately. Um, you know, what other kind of environments could, could I focus on? And then what are the attributes of that environment? Is it the color? Is it the sound? Is it the shapes? And then, you know, what degree of visual quality do you need for somebody to associate the visuals with nature or some other kind of environment? So if you take a tree, for example, and you have a, like a real tree seen in real life, and you kind of take that through different levels of, of detail, um, you can get to like, you know, computers nowadays and even game engines can render stuff pretty realistic. So a lot of games right now look, can look photorealistic. And, uh, so that's kind of one step down from real, and then you can maybe stylize it. Maybe you can make it more like illustration or a painting. Um, you can further abstract it into geometric fractal shapes that kind of resemble a tree with color. And then, you know, what kind of different effects do those have on someone's experience and, you know, does it have to be a real photorealistic nature or can right. it be these kind of moving shapes that people can interpret as nature? So that's kind of where I'm right now. Uh, yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Have you, have yeah. you found any uh, games that are good examples of like sort of taking that abstract, um, I guess, you know, applying the abstract qualities to, you know, those environments already? Uh, not specifically, you know, there's, there's a lot of kind of VR games that have, that are kind of more abstract Mm -hmm. and more experimental 
and you can kind of play in these in these worlds. I haven't found any that are designed specifically that way to have certain qualities or affect the player in a certain way that I've seen. Um, maybe there are that I haven't found. Um, but I've seen some really cool abstract kind of visually interesting experiences in VR for sure. Yeah. Uh, there, there are games that really push the environment visuals to mm. kind of more of an abstract like journey. I don't know if you've played or heard of journey. It's, it's a little older PlayStation three. Um, but that, that game has, it's more like a desert scape. So most of it takes place, not all of it, but most of it takes place in a, in a desert scape and it's very abstract and, um, very like saturated colors and geometric shapes. Um, it's a few examples. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about the, the grant with Epic games. Was that based on the research that you're currently doing with DDES? Was it a call for projects? Yes, Epic games has a mega grant program and they take applications from, you know, anybody who wants to use, their platform to make something, I guess, interesting or cool or, you know, whatever. It doesn't have to be video games. Some people, a lot of people make video games, but, um, you know, other kinds of companies and, uh, disciplines and industries have also gotten mega grants for various kinds of projects. So it's kind of just kind of an open-ended, Hey, show us what you're working on. And if we like it, we'll support it. Uh, so I've, you know, it's been around for, I think a couple of years now. And, uh, I started my DDoS work. I knew I wanted to make something. Uh, so I knew I wanted to build this experience and design it and create it. Um, I like to do a little bit of everything, the, the 3d graphics, the coding, the design. So I kind of wanted to make it all on my own in the best way I could, uh, very familiar with their platform, the unreal engine. So that's, uh, the platform I knew I wanted to use. So. I just thought, you know, I'm going to just, um, just send an application and see what happens. Tell them what I'm working on. I describe my projects. Um, a lot of times they want <clears throat> kind of like a proof of concept. So they ask for like videos or, or, you know, something that shows that it's a high quality project and that's going to be, that it's going to be seen through and that's going to promote their platform and put their platform out into the world and advocate for it. So. I didn't really have a lot of that in the beginning. I had some videos of some demos I made and some prototypes just saying, you know, can I actually make realistic, a realistic nature scene that will run in a VR. So I had a little bit, but I didn't have a lot. And, um, I thought, you know, maybe they'll turn it down and ask for more progress or, or, you know, and that, that would be fine. But I knew that it took a long time. So I wanted to get it in soon. And yeah, so I got, I found out, uh, last week, they kind of give the awards out in batches. So a lot of people sort of found out at the same time. But yeah, it was really cool. You know, uh, it's cool that they're supporting a project like this. Uh, it is, I would say it's, I would categorize it as a game, uh, more of kind of the interactive experience, mm -hmm. but um, it's, it's very research heavy. So it's going to kind of run in parallel with my dissertation and uh, it's just really cool to see them supporting like those kind of academic endeavors as well as video games. Yeah. So, Can you talk a little bit about what it was you delivered to them sort of as your proof of concept? Like it sounds like you've been developing sort of a, a specific experience already to sort of coincide with your research. Is that, is that right? 
Yeah, I've, I've been doing all, it's mostly just been research and just figuring out what I want the project to, to be mm-hmm. and how to, how to even approach it or how to get started. Right. Um, so that's been most of the work. Uh, mm-hmm. I have made a few prototypes. So like I said, I'll, I'll, I made like a, a nature scene in the engine just to see like how much, how dense could it be and how realistic could it look in VR and still run on VR headset. Um, running, getting things to run on a VR headset, it's a little trickier because it has to have a higher frame rate um, than just running it on on a PC and a monitor. So I I had a little bit of that, some visuals, but a lot of it is just explaining the project and what I wanted to get out of it and how it's going to move their platform forward Mm -hmm. and put their platform out there. So that that was a lot of it, just kind of explaining what I'm going to be doing. How do you see that benefiting your research and your project as a whole? Like, do you have any specific goals in mind right now that you're like, oh, wow, now that I have this help, I can go ahead and do this. Right. So it, it does add validity to it. So it's, it, you know, they vet the applications. It's not like free money. Mm-hmm. So they have a team whose job it is to vet these proposals and give the money out to projects that they consider high quality. So it's definitely a validity thing. Like the kind of work I'm doing is high enough quality where they want to support it and give me money to continue it. So that's one thing. Um, sometimes I found as kind of a new academic, kind of a professional turned academic that sometimes it's tricky to articulate these kind of projects in an academic way that makes sense. So I'm not like writing a journal article or I'm not writing a paper or anything like that. It's, it's like I'm making something. This thing I'm making is part of the research. And uh, it can be hard without kind of the peer review process to validate its, its quality, if that makes any sense. So that's one thing, just kind of that validation. Um, and then second, it just allows for just, you know, access to, I can, I can buy software I need. I can buy equipment. Um, I can hire people to help me. Like if, you know, I don't, I don't know, maybe I might want something that I need that doesn't exist. So I can hire somebody to help me develop something. Um, I don't know. So it just kind of brings in those kind of resources. Um, I had plans of like building things to kind of bring in kind of augment like mixed reality. So having the immersive environment and game, but also bring in some other kind of things that sort of trigger other senses. So I've thought about that and having the financial freedom to, to go after those things is really cool. Uh, maybe find some, find some equipment that can kind of measure like brainwave activity. They have sensors like that. They have eye tracking stuff. So it just kind of like really opens up the opportunities for, uh, you know, I don't really have to worry about what direction I can go because I have, you know, the resources to kind of uh, move the project in the way that it, that it's going to move. What are you hoping to see come from this in the future, like long-term? Yeah. So obviously I hope to have a, a cool project, like a game experience, a fully developed experience that people can get for free. Um, I just kind of want to put it out there for people. Um, I'm targeting the Oculus Quest right now. So the Oculus Quest is a um, wireless headset for you or, or for anyone else might not be aware. Most people are, but it's a wireless headset. And I want to develop for the Quest because you can put it on anywhere. It's mobile. So having the project on the quest out there that anybody can just can just get an access for free. And I just want it to be a good experience that maybe can help somebody uh, 
reduce some anxiety or reduce stress. Um, just have like a good positive experience, you know, uh, trying to see if, you know, as I'm designing it, the kinds of mechanics and the kinds of visuals I put in and the sensory elements, you know, is it, is it putting a smile on people's face? Are they enjoying it? Do they feel more relaxed? Do they come out of the experience feeling a little bit better than they did before they used it? And I think it would be really cool to maybe in the future kind of expand, keep building on it, expand it. Maybe I could actually uh, target specific populations with it. Like, okay, well, let's see if this can be used by veterans now or by people like that are, you know, institutionalized and can't leave, um, you know, whether it's medical or whatever kind of reason uh, can't are bedridden or people who don't have access to green spaces or schools or anything like that. And just keep, you know, building different versions of it and, and seeing like what happens and maybe it could open a larger conversation about um, designing these kind of experiences for like attention restoration and stress reduction. Just kind of seeing where it goes because it is a little different than what you might see in that in the app world. So having the like 3D immersive environment is kind of kind of a new thing. And it'd be cool to see it kind of become a, its kind of own genre of, of thing, of game or experience or whatever. For anybody who is considering getting into the field of, of game design or uh, virtual reality development, do you have any lessons that you've learned from your experiences or any maybe words of advice that you'd give to them that could help them get involved? Um, I, so if anybody asks me about how to get into game design, I think, um, you know, there's just start doing it. <laughs> it sounds like a kind of a cop-out answer, but it really is the truth. I mean, all, a lot of the platforms and software and tools you need are free. You know, obviously the VR headset isn't free, but, um, you know, like the Unreal Engine is free. Um, if you're a student, a lot of the development software for creating the graphics are free. Um, so it's, it's really easy for people to get in nowadays, much easier than it was when I started learning this stuff. Um, so that'd be the first thing is just pick a platform that, that speaks to you, that you like, maybe it's the Unreal Engine, maybe it's Unity and just start, um, you know, working with it, start small. So find a small thing you want to do. Um, for example, I want to, you know, get into VR development and then just make one little VR room, find one little cool thing to do. And then just slowly build up from there. It always helps to to find, develop a skill that you're good at, um, and kind of develop that in parallel. So, for example, if you're feel like you're more artistically inclined, like you enjoy more artistic pursuits, then you could really sort of develop a digital art practice in addition to learning some of these platforms and then focus your experience and your research on the visuals and the graphics and um, that kind of thing. And then vice versa, if you're more on the technological side, uh, coding side, then maybe that could be more of your thing. So focusing on inner, inner interesting mechanics or some technical art stuff, making like uh, fractal visuals using code and things like that. So I think that would be my answer. You know, just get started, find a complementary skill set to run in parallel, and then just start working with it. Um, there's a ton of resources online. Um, nowadays, in ac- like in colleges, it's it's very it's kind of a popular uh, domain now in, in universities. 
So a lot of universities are kind of adopting interactive design, game design, digital art, animation, and those kind of fields. So when I first went to college, it was difficult to find somewhere to study this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You had to kind of find, study something related and kind of shoehorn the game stuff in there. Um, but now, you know, almost every major, a lot of major schools have something like this going on, or they have a field that's getting into it. So maybe it's like a digital humanities thing where they're using these kind of VR platforms to tell stories in history or something like that. Justin, thanks so much for for sitting and talking with me today. I, I really appreciate it. And I'm very excited to, to see where your research goes. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun anytime. A friendly reminder to our listeners, the upcoming annual DDES Symposium starts on August 21st. Information on how to attend can be found on the NC State College of Design website. That's design.ncsu.edu. The event is free and virtual, so if you are interested in design research, we highly recommend you attend. Also, we are always searching for our next story. If you're working on a design project or researching something you find exciting, you can send us a message anytime on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at NC State Design, all one word. Until next time, this is Design Life.